Father God, we thank you that we are your children, that you are our heavenly Father. And we come to you this evening as your children, ready to hear and to receive from you. Amen. Amen. Oh, that is nice, that fan. It's my biggest fan right there. <laughs> Sorry, it's terrible, isn't it? Um, so nice to be with you all this evening, especially if you've made it out on this hot evening. I also see you at, at home watching this with your feet in a paddling pool. I see you. <laughs> You're there. Um, my name is Laura. I'm actually the children's minister at Woodlands, so I'm often here in the mornings running the children's groups. And I just wondered, is Harriet Watts here this evening or not? Is she in the building? She might not be. Well, if she's not, I'm going to shout her out anyway, because Harriet is um, just she's a student. She's just leaving Bristol, maybe already left on her way to London. And she's been serving faithfully on children's team the last couple of years. And she is phenomenal. So I just want to thank you, Harriet. I'm going to make you watch this. Um, and yeah, we bless your move to London and your new job. Can we hear it for Harriet, please? Now, as Claire um, said earlier on, we're in a bit of a series at the moment looking at prayer. Sorry, my hair's blowing all over the place. Um, and um, we're looking particularly tonight at the Lord's Prayer and focusing um, around our Father in that context. Now, I'll be completely honest with you. I've been preparing this all week. I've been praying about it. I'm really pushing into it. But this is something that um, actually I've been grappling with my whole sort of walk with Jesus, which has been 22 years. And so I'm not standing here claiming to be some sort of expert on this, but I'm definitely on a journey. And I really believe that knowing God as our Father is foundational in our relationship um, to God. And so I think this is really important, and I'm really um, grateful to have this time this evening to unpack that with you. And we're just going to go on a bit of a journey, looking at a passage in Luke, um, and drawing out what I think it means to know God as our Father. And see so you up for doing that this evening? Yeah, I can't hear you. Yes, let's have some energy in the room. Brilliant. Um, so that's what we're going to do. Um, so we're going to jump straight into the passage, which is in Luke 11. Um, and in this passage um, that we're looking at today, Jesus, um, the disciples, so Jesus' friends are with him, and they're asking him um, to teach them to pray. And it says, one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And then it goes on a few verses later and it says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So a little bit of context around this passage. Um, in Aramaic, which is Jesus' language, the word for father is Abba. But Luke, in this passage, he uses the Greek word pater, which actually, to the people listening at the time, the kind of Gentile audience, they would understand that. But it's really removed from actually um, the Jewish treatment of God's name, which would have been the initials YHWH or Yahweh. 
And the Jewish people were really kind of concerned. They didn't want to profane God's name. Um, and the idea of God as Father, although he's there throughout the whole of the Old Testament, it would have been quite shocking to hear Jesus in this sort of context to say, actually, you're to call God your Father. Now, in the Old Testament, there are loads of references where... Um, we are to look at God as the father of the Israelite people, actually for a collective, as a nation. And Jesus sort of emphasizes that here when he says, give us, forgive us, and bring us. It's a real corporate message still coming through. But it would have shocked the disciples to hear Jesus say and to open his prayer with the word father because it had a familiarity about it that they wouldn't have really been used to when they thought about their Lord. So I don't know about you in the room tonight, when you approach God, whether you feel like there's a familiarity there in your prayer life, whether you feel like, you're like, hi God, it's me, or whether you feel when you come to God, it's a slightly more um, strained or formal um, kind of relationship. I think sometimes that can be revealed in the words we even use to pray. So the first thing I want us to think about tonight, and I think that that passage shows us, is that God wants to be known by us. Now, when we pray, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I pray, I don't always feel connected to God. Has anyone in the room ever had that experience? Yeah, okay. Um, I'm not always definitely sure that he's committed to seeing my prayer through or working out what I'm asking him for. Have you ever felt like that? Okay. So, sometimes I've prayed some things, and I've sort of been slightly surprised when God's answered them. Anyone ever experienced that? Yeah? Great. Um, So I think there's something about him saying father that is to remind them and to tell them that actually that's how we're to relate to God. He's your father and by implication we become his children. Now I'm a parent and since I've become a parent I'm really really aware of how much children ask for things. Okay here's some just from this week. Here we go. Mom can I have a biscuit? And then I find out later she'd had five before school, not going to win parent of the year. Mum, can I have pudding for breakfast? Particular favourite because I also like pudding for breakfast. See my previous post. Um, Mum, can you get my bag, shoes, coat? Insert any other thing that is probably only about a metre away, but I should get it for them. Mum, can I have some money? Like, I haven't got any. (laughs) Uh, It's constant. (laughs) I'd like some too. Um, But I love that they ask me. I love that they expect me to meet their needs. Now, it doesn't mean I say yes all the time. I don't always let them have pudding for breakfast every now and again on their birthday, maybe. Um, But they feel they can come to me. They feel like, do you know what? Mum's going to answer me. She's not going to ignore me. I'm attentive to them. Um, And in the Psalms, actually, David says of God, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know what the word father conjures up for you, whether that's a positive thing, whether that's a negative thing, or whether you had a completely absent father that you never knew your dad. And so you don't even know how to relate to a human father, let alone a heavenly father. Because a view of our father can really shape It's been shaped often by our earthly experiences of fathers. And that can be for good or for ill. That can be positive and that can be negative. Um, And the same around authority figures as well. Sometimes we bring those experiences we've had with our earthly fathers or not had with them, or those experiences that we've had with authority figures, and we can project that onto God. And those messages we've received, we then tend to live out in our prayer life. I don't know whether any of you can really relate to that. Now, I want to invite you into a little moment in time in my life. The year is 1990. 
and I look like this. Can we have the first picture, please? Possible? Here we go. Okay. So, picture the scene. It's Ashton Court. Here I am with my brother, who's currently full, my brother Matt, who I haven't told I'm putting this photo up. He's going to absolutely love me for this. And I'm six years old. In that basket is my mum, my dad, and my granny. And my dad is a balloon pilot. He's flown all over Bristol, all over the world, and we're Ashton Court. And this is the first time I've, I've got to go up in a hot air balloon. Now, probably most of us in the room have seen balloons flying over Bristol, haven't we? Can we just have a look at the next little picture as well? This is um, probably slightly indulgent. Look, oh, don't I look cute? I'm only six, isn't that nice? Thanks. Um, <laughs> you can't yet, but say yes, can you really? Um, but this is the first time that I've gone up in a balloon. Now, I honestly do not remember ever thinking, oh, does my dad know how to fly this thing? Does he know how to land it? I just was six. I got in the basket. We were, I was seeing my brother earlier on, and we were joking because he couldn't even see over the edge of the basket. He had to peer through the foothole <laughs> to see. And um, there wasn't a point in that journey where I thought, oh, I wonder how do you steer this thing? I mean, we're just at the mercy of the wind, aren't you? And how do you know where you're going to come down? And where are we going to land? None of those thoughts were in my head as a six-year-old. I just trusted that he knew what he was doing and he would fly it and bring me safely to land, which he did. And the thing is, you see, he's actually been flying 30 plus more years since that moment. I know I don't look old enough, but I am. And I don't think I'd have the same level of faith and trust to get in the basket now. Now, I haven't actually flown for quite a few years. I don't actually know why that is, but I haven't. Um, but my dad, over the course of 30 plus years, has just got a bit of a gift of the gab. So he's been very good at persuading people to buy balloons and letting him fly them. And this is an example of one. Um, but I don't think I would be getting in that basket with the same level of confidence now. Now, why is that? Because in a way, he's more experienced now. He's been flying for 30 odd years all around the world. Surely I should feel more confident, not less. But I think there's something about children, in, in, in us as children, we have an instinct to trust that allows us to have faith. I had an instinct there to trust my dad, which allowed me to have faith in going up in that balloon and landing safely. And actually, in, um, in the book of Matthew, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So something about childlike faith, isn't there? A simplicity, a trust that helps us and enables us in our relationship with God. But why would we become less trusting? Why would we suddenly feel like we need to question whether to get in the balloon basket or whether to trust God or whether to do that thing that maybe we're a bit unsure of? There's something about the human experience, isn't there? About what life can do to us, about what people can do to us. That means that sometimes we become less trusting. And actually, to call on God as our Father becomes harder. Now, for some of us, that might be because we've had a distant Father that hasn't really been present, hasn't really modeled a kind of interest in our life. So sometimes maybe when we come to pray our Father, we're thinking, God, are you there? Because my earthly Father wasn't really there when I asked him to be. So how do I know that you will be? Perhaps for some of us, we've had fathers who are just untrustworthy. They say one thing and they do something else. And we can think that God might be like that. We might have had unpredictable ones who are kind of really present and there one minute and then quite distant and aloof another. And then maybe when we come to prayer, we think, well, I don't know, God, whether you'll be here today or whether actually you're going to be a bit distant. Or some of us, maybe we've had critical fathers. So sometimes there's just that sense that we come to God with a slight anticipation of being told off or being shown up. And so that can kind of cloud our relationship with God. 
You know, that part of the verse in Luke, it says, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Maybe some of you have felt like, well, I sort of have asked my earthly father something and I've got the opposite. And so you feel a bit tentative then when you come to God. There's something about those experiences that maybe have shaped the way that we relate to God and the way that we come to him that make us question God's goodness, that make us question, actually, is God really for me? And how can I come to him in prayer, in confidence that he's for me and he's looking to bless me? Because we've got this kind of distorted view of who God is and and what he's like. So how do we get hold of God as our father? How do we come to him in prayer like that? And I think it's really interesting that in the passage we looked at, Jesus starts by telling the disciples, by teaching them how to refer to God. He's sort of reorientating them around relationship, around saying, actually, I want you to come to God as your father, you're his children. But then he ends the passage with the key for how to do that. And that second thing is that the Holy Spirit helps us call God Father. So he knows what you need. He teaches them. But then ultimately, he ends by saying, actually, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Because he knows we need him to do it. Actually, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will help us. I think it's interesting as well that the disciples ask Jesus to teach them to pray. And Jesus really addresses that, doesn't he? But he doesn't teach them um, to preach. And some of you in the room are thinking, oh, if only he'd done that, because might have helped this evening and I was thinking it too this week (laughs) so I was just doing a lot of praying um, because that's what Jesus teaches us to do isn't it he teaches us he wants to give us a model for prayer because it's important because prayer is what is most needed I think as well when Jesus teaches that we're to address God as our father He's doing that because a loving father will listen to the child. That doesn't mean that they'll blindly kind of endorse every request. Like with my children, if I gave them chocolate and sweets every time they asked for it, my goodness, they wouldn't have any teeth left. I have to, as a parent, put in healthy boundaries and discipline. But actually, there's a sense to which that discipline is out of love. You know, as parents, we discipline our children because we love them. But I think also that reference to the Holy Spirit is saying there's a spiritual aspect in asking and receiving. So when we have the Holy Spirit, it's like my desires become God's desires. As I seek him more, as I'm filled more with the Holy Spirit, the things I want to pray for, the things I want for my life are more in line with what he wants for my life because I'm praying that his will be done in my life and on this earth. But what does it really mean? Because I think probably everyone in this room and watching online, we can probably say, yeah, you know, I probably agree with that. I probably know that. But if God knows what I need, then what's the point in praying? Because I could just be really passive, couldn't I? Why do I need to bother to pray if God already knows what I need? But there's, you know, another passage in the Bible that talks about the Holy Spirit often speaking in groans and words that we don't understand. And that sense to which actually the Spirit prays and intercedes on our behalf. Sometimes we don't know what to pray. And I think the gift of tongues is really powerful there. That actually, that's a gift we can ask for and a spiritual language that helps us to pray. And I remember in my early 20s, I was um, on a mission trip in Mexico. And I was sitting with a friend and we were just praying. And I'd always wanted the gift of tongues, but I didn't really know an awful lot about it. Um, and I'd been a Christian sort of a few years. And I remember just praying for the gift of tongues. And during that prayer time, sitting in our little back garden of a flat in Mexico City, um, I just got the gift of tongues. I was able to pray in this spiritual language, and I'd never done it before. 
And it really helped me. Now, whilst I was praying, I didn't know what every word or phrase meant, but I had a sense of what I was bringing to God. It was like my spirit was showing me, this is what you're praying about, and this is how you're articulating that to God. And ever since, I've found tongues a really helpful way. Sometimes when I'm on my own or I'm driving the car, I'll just pray in tongues because I think, oh, I don't quite know what I need to pray here, God, but I know there's a desire within me to want to pray about something, and I know you're going to help me by your Holy Spirit. But I think also for me, prayer has been the key to learning to hear God's voice. Actually, the Holy Spirit helps us to know what God is like. He teaches us what God sounds like. And it's helped me to grow in the gift of, of prophecy, the prophetic, because as his voice has become more familiar to me, I expect him to speak. And my job is to tune in uh, to what he's saying. And when I think about actually God's heart as a father, I think, wow, isn't that amazing that I get to know God's heart for people? I get to call out of people the gold that God sees in them, the things that maybe they don't see in themselves yet, because God shares his thoughts with me. God shares his heart with me for those people. And to me, that is just an amazing image of a father, like an earthly father is someone that should be calling out of us the things that maybe we can't see yet, really backing us and saying, I believe in you. And yet God is our heavenly father. How much more does he want to do that? And how amazing that he chooses to partner with us to see that achieved on the earth as well. Because I think God wants to trust us, doesn't he? I always feel sometimes when I have a word of knowledge for someone or a bit of a prophetic utterance, I think, wow, God, thank you for trusting me with that piece of knowledge. Because that is, you know, that's not anything that I can do in my earthly self, but you're showing me about somebody here because you want to bless them. That's your heart for them, to, to bless them. And I think, yeah, it's just great when I see that happening. And I think the last thing is that God knows what we need now, in that prayer, it said, give us today our daily bread. And Jesus teaches the disciples about prayer by reminding them of their proper relationship to God, which is daily dependence. You know, that, that image of bread would have reminded them probably of the manna in Exodus, where each day God would bring fresh manna, and they couldn't store it up. They had to have just enough for that day. Um, there was a real dependence on God. But I think sometimes in our society we can forget that because the kind of provision of things is often there. And there aren't many times really where I've had to pray for actual manna, actual bread. But there have been definite seasons in my life where I've had to pray for real spiritual manna. And I don't know whether you can think of those seasons where actually unless God turns up, you cannot do it. Just to be so dependent on God. And I had a season in my life where I had severe generalized anxiety disorder. And just to leave the house every day was such a challenge. I had to pray for God to help me just to go out the front door, just to go to work, just to eat a meal, just to do normal everyday things. But then what I noticed was that actually as that kind of stuff became less, which was amazing, as I developed, some, got some healing in that and some freedom in that, then actually my dependence on God seemed to lessen because I was sort of okay. I wasn't necessarily leaning on him as much. And so it just sort of reminded me that I need to remember that I still need to hunger and thirst after God, even though sometimes we can have seasons that maybe stuff's fine, but in those seasons when it's not, I think we really realize our daily dependence on that daily bread. And there might be some things that in the room, when we think about daily bread, actually about God knowing our needs, there might be some things that you think, oh, I'm really glad actually that God didn't answer that prayer. There might be some things you look back on in your life and think, I thought I wanted that, I thought I needed that, but actually God knew differently. And I'm just going to share 
a little example of that, but probably about 20 years ago now, I was at a big camp called Soul Survivor. Probably lots of you in the room have heard of it. Um, you're going to show your age in the room now. Put your hand up if you've heard of the Worldwide Message Tribe. About five of you. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> but um, at, the, at this conference, there was this audition for the Worldwide Message Tribe Year Out Band. You can see where this story is going, can't you? And my friend Lara, I will name her, um, decided that I should audition for this band. I had no idea what I was doing. I'd not even long been a Christian. And what I do remember is going to this audition and singing Anastasia Out of Love, okay? Probably not the classic they were expecting at a Worldwide Message Tribe Year Right Band audition, but little did I know. Um, it was the only song I knew off by heart. Like I said, I haven't been Christian very long. Didn't know any Christian songs. Um, anyway, that wasn't the worst part. Did that bit, thought fine. And then suddenly, it was the days where you had cassette players. They were like, we're going to put, um, put a song on. We want you to dance. It's like, oh, what? Now, if you know me in this room, I can't dance. Mm -mm. I'm not going to demonstrate, just for the sake of everyone here. But um, I began to dance. And honestly, it brings back really bad memories because... <laughs> so you're lucky I'm sharing this with you. I, I mean, there aren't even words that can describe the kind of scene before me. But um, <laughs> needless to say, I didn't get into the band. Shocker. Um, but I kind of think, wow, like, that was sort of a bit of a prayer I was praying. I thought, maybe this is the thing. Like, I could be part of the Worldwide Message Tribe. I can travel the world. Um, but it didn't work out. But I look back, and I'm relieved, frankly, as are probably all of you, um, that I didn't make it into that band. And um, there are some things I look back on and think, I was earnestly praying for that. But I'm really glad that God could see my future, that he could see the whole picture. And he's like, uh-uh you're not doing that. <laughs> um, there are also other times in my life, like really tricky times where I've prayed for things and I've not known the answer that I wanted or expected. You know, for family members that have been ill, for situations that just seem so dire. And I don't always have the answers for why it would seem like God hasn't done something, but I do believe that he is always at work. And so even if the prayer isn't answered in the way that I would expect, I do trust that he is at work there because he knows what we need and, and he is a good father. So how is knowing God as our Father going to change the way that you and that I pray? Can we be expectant that God is kind and generous in nature and wanting to bless us? That actually he wants the best for us. He's not out to kind of catch us up or shame us or condemn us. That he really is ready to help us when we pray. In fact, that he wants to help us when we pray. That's why he's given us his Holy Spirit. And that we can ask for more of him by by his Holy Spirit. And I think that's a prayer that I think we can never pray too much of. Actually, I want more of you, God. Fill me again. I need more of you. So just as we come to, yeah, to finish tonight, I just want to share a quote that as I was preparing this week kind of really um, struck me. And it's by C.S. Lewis. Some of you might be familiar with it. Um, but it says, Our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Now, earlier this week, I took some time out to spend with God and I went for a bit of a walk and I just felt like God brought to my attention a few things. Firstly, I felt like him showing me that I was just really tense, sort of holding myself in a really kind of tense way. And secondly, I felt like him say to me, actually, Laura, you've been hardening your heart towards me recently and towards other people. 
And what's really interesting about that revelation, and when I say God spoke to me, it wasn't like in an audible voice. It was just in my spirit, just in my thoughts. It just felt like him just gently bring it to mind. And firstly, it was interesting because it wasn't in like a kind of shaming way or a condemning way, like, Laura, I can't believe you're a terrible person. You've been doing this. It was just in a revelatory kind of way. I think God's so good at that when we let him, just bringing a bit of revelation, like, do you know you've been doing this? And so I think I'd done it because I was a bit tired. You know, life sometimes is a bit hard. You can get hit by a bit of disappointment or whatever. And sometimes it's not like I woke up one day and thought, do you know what, I really want to harden my heart towards God today. It's just something that has gradually just happened over a few weeks, I'd say. And maybe some of you can relate to that. It's not that you're like not interested in God. It's not that you're not seeking him. But equally, it's not like you're seeking him either. And there's just this kind of apathy, this kind of just like sluggishness that can sometimes set into our spirit. And I guess that's what I felt had happened to me. And I was a bit defensive. I felt like I'm just holding myself in a slightly defensive position towards God and other people. Just kind of keeping him and other people at arm's length. But I think the result of that is I'd actually just stopped asking God for things. Because I'd sort of just held myself in this slightly removed position. I'd sort of stopped expecting God to be interested in answering I probably just stopped expecting, really. And I think what happened then on this walk is that I was able to just repent. I was able to say sorry to God, actually sorry where I've hardened my heart towards you and other people. And I I don't want to do that anymore. I want to turn towards you, not away from you. And I want you to be involved in my life. And then just towards the end of the walk, I just sort of read my Bible a bit, prayed, and I was just about to walk back to my car, and I was just looking out to sea. And I just felt like God say really clearly, just drop it into my thoughts, in my mind. Laura, my ideas and plans for your life are greater than yours. My ideas and thoughts and plans for your life are greater than yours. And it was a bit of a revelation. I was like, oh, wow, okay. Because God was calling out of me a sense of hope and expectation that I think I'd lost. And where I'd maybe settled or made God too small or just decided to settle down in a kind of not great position, God was saying, actually, look at me. I want to do infinitely more than you ask or imagine in your life. And I believe that's what God's saying to us tonight. That's what he's saying to us as a community as well. But I think sometimes we've got to get past the kind of frustration or the disappointment and actually bring to God what is on our mind, what is on our heart. Because God doesn't want to agree with our negative, appointed view of ourselves. God's not going to just agree, oh, I'm rubbish at prayer, or I'm not a very nice person, or I'm just like this. He's not going to affirm that. He's always calling out the more, like we said earlier on. He's a father that sees the potential in us, that sees the gold in us, and calls that out, calls us into more. He's not wanting to shame us. And in the Psalms, it says, The Lord is near to those who call on him, to those who call on him in truth. And I just wonder, when was the last time you were really honest with God? Really honest. When you let him examine your heart, your motives, your desires, your pain, your disappointment. Because sometimes we need that encounter. We've got to push beyond the kind of frustration or the disappointment and really bring to God our hearts. That's what he wants. And maybe for some of us, that's because life's just been hard. It's been difficult. We've been a bit worn down. Or maybe it's because we've been trying to do it alone. And I think what really struck me in that Luke 11 passage is that Jesus uses us multiple times. Give us the food we need. Forgive us our sins. That actually, as as we seek God together in community, we find um, that God puts the lonely in families. He wants to call us into a community together. And this just this week, I was at Prayer Watch on Zoom on Tuesday morning. And... um, 
I haven't gone for a little while because I find it a bit tricky in the morning with the school run. But anyway, I thought I'm going to push through. I'm going to come. And Rachel had asked me to share some stuff. So I was there about to share. And my daughter should have been getting ready for school, but very much wasn't and was, came and sat on my lap during this very pertinent moment. And as I was trying to share what I wanted to prayer for, she just started copying like everything I did. If I scratch my head, she'd scratch her head. If I like move my arm, she'd move her arm. And I was just trying to be like all like, oh, it's really not bothering me, but sort of was bothering me. Um, <laughs> and, um, but I thought, oh, at a deeper level, there's something in that, isn't there? You know, sometimes prayer isn't convenient. Sometimes prayer is costly. And not just costly in the kind of, oh, it's a bit hard to get to the school run on time. Just costly in the kind of giving of ourselves and our time. But I absolutely love that Tuesday morning prayer watch on Zoom because my faith is stirred when I pray with other people, when I pray with my brothers and sisters in Christ, because there's something about meeting with God together in prayer that is powerful. And I'm really glad that I went. But I also thought for my daughter, on a deeper level, although she's copying everything I do in a really sarcastic way, actually on a deeper level, I'm offering her a window into prayer. I'm offering her a window into this is how we pray. And then actually Rachel prayed for her on the Zoom. And I thought, how lovely that this is a model of what it looks like to pray in community. And my six-year-old daughter is experiencing that. And maybe for some of us, we need to be thinking, who are we teaching? Who are we modeling prayer to? Who are we um, helping on this journey of prayer? And maybe that's from joining a midweek group or finding a, a prayer triplet, but just some space where we can learn, but also we can teach others. Because I think it's really important that um, we're looking at our Father that we come to God in community, that if he's our father and we're his children, then we are brothers and sisters. And we're part of brothers and sisters all around the world, not just here in Bristol. And we call on that same God together. So I'd love to encourage you, if you haven't ever made it to Tuesday morning prayer watches on Zoom, so it's nice and easy, um, or one of the prayer meetings on a Monday night, then it is so encouraging to be in that space where you are calling on God together. And so I'm just going uh, to just, um, yeah, move into a bit of a ministry time now. So I'd love to invite the band back up. And I wanted to just reflect on, I guess, some of those things I've shared tonight. But as I was praying this week, I really felt that for some people in the room, what you're needing from God tonight, and maybe watching online as well, is just that renewed sense of hope and expectation around what God wants to do in your life. That maybe you've just settled where you are, like this is it. And actually, I just want to say to you tonight, God wants to call out the more. He wants to call out what you don't see yet. So maybe you're new to faith, maybe you're here tonight and you're just visiting and you're not sure whether you even know Jesus or want to know him. But I just want to encourage you that he has a hope for you. He wants to bring hope to your life where maybe you felt a bit lost and a bit listless. And he wants to just speak that into your life this evening. So there's a verse in Isaiah that I think puts this really well. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So I just wonder if tonight we're going to just have a bit of space to um, ask God to meet with us. But I'd love to invite you, if you feel like you want to expect God to move in your life, that you've got this expectancy and hunger for more, then I'd love to invite you to come to the front and we're going to pray for you here just for God to fill you afresh and for you to know that sense of hope and expectancy over your life, that actually God wants to do infinitely more than you ask or imagine. And I think sometimes in this environment it can feel a bit intimidating to come to the front, but I'd really encourage you that sometimes that physical step of moving forward actually is like us posturing our faith and saying, actually, I'm really expecting God that you're going to move, that I'm going to move myself physically too. Um, so I'd love to encourage you to do that, and myself and Claire and some of the team will be here to pray. Um, but I will hand back to the worship band. Thanks. <laughs> 